my friends. Under my back porch here to uh, read to you an essay from last semester that I just found when I was digging a few things up today in my basement. Um, and this was for a 200 level history class. And the assignment was to write a response to the social changes and political and economic changes that occurred during the Industrial Revolution and to pick one of three sides essentially that they gave us. A liberal side in the sense of the you know, 19th century classical liberal uh, or the conservative side or a socialist side. And I chose the conservative side. And um, the funny thing about this paper is I got a B plus on it, an 89%. But I didn't include a single citation. And he even says that in the end, he says, very sharp and well argued. You did, however, manage to construct this eloquent argument without any reference to the readings. And these were crucial to this exercise. <laughs> but I still got the 89%. It says, you, do, you really do have a clear, if less widespread, position on the Industrial Revolution, which you consistently defend throughout this paper. Nice job on that account. And then he goes on to say, that certain readings that we had would have helped out, but there it is. So, I think that's funny, and I think you come to whatever conclusion you want about that, what that says about college, what that says about the quality that professors are expecting, or anything like that, or maybe it just shows how great my argument was, but I thought that was interesting, but enough preamble, here's the essay. A conservative reaction to the Industrial Revolution. In this essay, I attempt to understand a conservative's possible perspective on the Industrial Revolution in general, so I try to encapsulate the big picture in what follows. Since the start of the Industrial Revolution, people all across the world have been gradually drawn away from their primary food source, but also from many other kinds of sources. Before this momentous event, the vast majority of families in Europe lived agrarian lifestyles, directly or indirectly involved in producing or supporting the production of food, but by the end, the situation would be reversed. Now we live in a society where most people are completely cut off from that source, dependent upon strangers running agricultural corporations to ship food to their local supermarket to survive. But food is not the only source by which I mean life-sustaining or generating thing. That's what I mean by the word source in this essay. So food is not the only source severed from us by the Industrial Revolution. During the processes of urbanization and industrialization, 
men and women were separated from each other, and children separated from parents. People in general were separated from their natural environments and corralled into increasingly filthy and polluted cities, and all of this was done without their consultation, without their votes. The wealthy elites of their society, aristocrats, merchants, industrialists alike, made these choices for everyone else because they were really the only ones to benefit from it. And not only was industrialism and urban development a cancer upon a once rich landscape of a place like England, sucking dry the place of every commonly held forest, field, river, and every other resource that used to sustain life for the local population, but it has spread its countless proboscis out across the world to suck other people and lands dry as well. The care for and cultivation of land as a means for survival was the source of a virtuous and healthy life for the vast majority of families in Europe prior to the Industrial Revolution. This source of wealth and virtue was not reserved solely for the upper class, but was also attainable for the lower classes, and most people lived in rural areas tending strips of land that were in their families for generations. This instilled within them the sense that they could rely on and expect performance from themselves alone. And yet, survival in this way is not a solitary project. The family and the community were concepts with real meaning to them because the effects were tangible and evident to the senses. A good family, which cooperated and functioned harmoniously, would fare better working on the farm than a discordant family. The same applies to rural communities at large and to social relations within them. Factories and workhouses tore husbands apart from wives and children from families, with each being assigned different atomized tasks around the facility. In a certain sense, it made families somewhat obsolete. Families were once necessary nuclei in the process of sustaining life on the land, but with industrialization that nucleus shifted to the workhouse and for the first time different demographics could be separated different demographic for the first time different demographics could be separated and brought into conflict with one another as distinct entities with different interests the separation of children from their parents was another effect of this process and the result was the separation of children from the people who are most personally invested in their upbringing, their parents. From this point forward, the state and the wealthy parties in control over it were made responsible for the education of the young. Those who promote the Industrial Revolution see the introduction of state-run schooling. There's my dogs. Hey, shh. From this point forward, the state and the wealthy parties in control over it were made responsible for the education of the young. Those who promote, I already said all that. Uh, those who promote the Industrial Revolution see the introduction of state-run schooling as progress, but to those who value the natural primacy of the family, this separation of children from their natural source of knowledge, customs, and culture was 
a tragedy that has helped lead us to the desperate situation we are in today, where hundreds of millions of people's lives depend upon a tiny fraction a tiny fraction who are in charge of things like agricultural and shipping corporations. Advocates for the Industrial Revolution may point to facts such as the rise in population and the new capacity to mass-produce cheap goods as proof of its beneficial effects. However, this increased capacity came at an incalculable loss to our natural environment and its resources. First, the homelands of the first people to be industrialized, i.e. Europe, were scoured for every available tree, every lump of coal, and every vein of iron. Many villages were reduced to mere cogs in support of this vast resource-stripping machine. The moral economy prior to this was interested in preserving a balance with nature by utilizing renewable resources as much as possible but the new industrialist, capitalist economy was interested in efficiency and profit alone. These industrialists were not locals who depended upon a certain environment to live, and so the efficiency with which they stripped the land of its resources only translated to profit in their minds. What all of this efficiency made possible and inevitable was the need to spread out and find new untouched lands to be strip-mined for all it had to offer. This exponential growth could only be sustained by grabbing up new land, and the capability for mass manufacturing produced the means to sustain itself. The mass manufacture of weapons, bombs, transport, and of course, dependent human beings who would be willing to go off and fight in endless wars overseas was what made imperialism and colonialism possible. The European people are often seen as responsible and blamed for those actions of colonialism and imperialism, dominating native peoples across the world, ruining their ancient traditional ways of life, stealing all of their resources and leaving their countries poor and polluted. But really the commoners, the local commoners of Europe, were the first victims in the world of just such a thing. They did not choose this completely new way of living. It was forced upon them by their greedy rulers and wealthy inter international interests that had no interest whatsoever in preserving the renewable resources and way of life in Europe. And without plundering the wealth of Europe and creating a vast dependent class of apartmented workers, the rest of the world may have never suffered under imperial or colonial rule. It seems everything would have worked out a lot better for everyone if the Industrial Revolution never happened. Except, of course, the wealthy industrialists, the 1% as they are called today. Even if we consider the worst case scenario and imagine that giving up the Industrial Revolution means giving up all the technology that was developed since then, it would still be better because at least the family wouldn't be bereft of its natural significance and the majority of people wouldn't be dependent for their survival upon strangers who don't really care about them personally, and the natural richness and beauty of Europe would still be around, and there wouldn't be there wouldn't have been worldwide imperialism, colonialism, oppression, and slavery that only fattened the unscrupulous industrial elites.
and I'd trade central air conditioning or cheap automobiles for that world any day. So that was my conservative reaction to the Industrial Revolution. Thank you for watching.